At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Good morning, so good to see all of you. We are in Genesis chapter 9 as you go there. Uh, Let me just um, reiterate what Pastor Chris is saying. We are raising uh, $1.5 million beyond just our general giving uh, for a number of new gospel initiatives. I'll just mention a couple of things. One of them is, you know, we planted a church in Algonac a couple of years, a few years back, and at that point, so many of the community leaders did not want our church to go there, and yet, through the faithful presence and the good deeds uh, of our church, members there. Um, many of the same people that did not want him there are so thankful that the church is there now. Well, they're, they're, they found a location to be able to have a permanent place, and the church has raised already 20% of what they need to be able to go into this building project. Our Romeo campus also is finishing the, the project, uh, the build-out that they needed because they had grown out of their uh, building, and I know that, I, I know that we think that this The place where we are right now will never end, but it will, right? God will bring an end to this virus situation, and at some point, we will be able to go back, and and they'll be able to use their building. And also, we're doing a lot in the digital realm, because we want to be able to keep reaching people, not only in person, but also digitally, wherever they may be. All of that requires funding. And so thank you to all of you who care about our church family, who who are passionate about supporting our ministry. And for those of you who don't give, uh, let me just encourage you, um, start giving. Uh, Trust Jesus when he says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, We'd be happy to give you resources to help you in that uh, understanding and journey so you know how to really experience the joy of giving. I also wanted to tell you that as we begin our Christmas series, we have an Advent uh, devotional that you can take home with you. We have it in the lobby. You can take it for yourself, for your your grandchildren, for your neighbor, whoever you want to give it to. You can also text, uh, and then you'll be able to receive that as well. Uh, if you want it digitally, or just contact us at roinfo, and we'll be happy to send that your way. Okay, we are in Genesis chapter 9. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is so good for us to be here with the people of God, worshiping your name by means of your word. Father, your greatness, your holiness, your grace, your wisdom and beauty, your power and honor, they all draw us to you with enough force to break our imprisonment to sin and set us free and send us singing. And so, Lord, fill us with song this Advent season. Father, we need you to do a, a, a radical love with uh, work within each one of us. Because we have had such bad news this year and so much fear and anxiety and things that look bleak. But Father, we trust you. And so we're asking you to fill us with joy and to help us contemplate the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 9, we are in verse 8. Parents, help your children be able to follow along with you as they are able. Scripture says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. 
I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The word of the Lord. Today we begin our Christmas series entitled Gift Wrapped from Longing to Lavished. The title alludes to that centerpiece of Christmas celebrations, which is the gift wrapped presents on Christmas Day. Now we have a lot of children here because it's a family Sunday. Now children, do you have any presents yet under your tree? Maybe, maybe not. Well, today some of you will because we're going to be drawing three different numbers for three different prizes. Children, you should have received the number, so parents, help them be able to track with that, because as we call them out, we have a, a, a prize for each of you, and they go with the points of the sermon. So children, sit tight, fold your hands, pay attention. Yeah, she's ready to go. That's awesome. Okay, here we go. Now, have you ever thought about why it is that we wrap presents? I mean, in my experience, men are not good at this. You know, not only do we botch the job, we find it quite unnecessary altogether. Like, why should I go through the trouble of wrapping a present? You know, the paper, the tape, the bows, the folds. When the person getting the present is just going to tear into it. Like, it just feels so wasteful, doesn't it, men? Anyone? Yeah, you know. And, uh, but life can't just be functional, devoid of beauty. But it's not just for beauty's sake that we wrap presents. It's also mystery. The unfolding of mystery as we unwrap presents, you know, goes in both directions and happens at the same time, but in balancing acts. If you think about it, when someone gives a present, you know, the giver enjoys being one step ahead of the person receiving the present and the recipient also enjoys the surprise and suspense as they unwrap the present. The whole thing is shrouded in mystery. It reminds me of the proverb that says, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search them out. God has wrapped mysteries, presents for us all in creation, and it's our glory to search them out, to unwrap them. Well, Christians have always maintained that the greatest gift that God has given to his creation is Jesus Christ. And in important ways, this special gift comes to us in special wrapping. Not the way that I usually give gifts, which is basically the bare thing. I'm like, honey, I love you here. She's like, oh, a thermos? Thank you. You know? But rather, this gift from God to us, Jesus Christ, comes full of mystery, wrapped in history and in scripture and in the dealings of God with humankind. And it's our job to unwrap it, to understand the mystery, to fit the pieces together. And the layers of unwrapping that we can do as it relates to our savoring and enjoying of the gift that is Jesus Christ are endless. Endless. And so in this series, we're going to learn more about the mystery and gift of Jesus Christ by looking at God's covenants with humankind, the covenants that God has made with us. This study is going to help us deepen our knowledge of the Old Testament. It's going to help us see how the whole Bible fits together. It's going to expand our appreciation of God's character and faithfulness, and it's going to lead us afresh to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the covenants that God has made with Noah, with Abraham, with Israel, with David, and finally we will look at the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Today we begin with God's covenant with Noah. Now, have you ever had the impulse to have a fresh start, a new beginning? 
you know, to have a clean slate. You know, children, maybe this happens in your house. Maybe your closet is full of mismatched socks and clothes all over the place and toys where they don't belong and even old candy wrappers. And you're all, you can ever find anything and you're always going, Mom, have you seen my Nerf gun? Mom, have you seen my calico critters? And your mom or dad, usually your mom, at one point says, you know what? We need to take everything out of this closet and have a fresh start. People want a fresh start. Things have gone bad and we want a clean slate. Or we see all that's wrong in the world with 2020 and we want a new beginning. But it's not so simple, is it? Well, today we're going to look at the clearest example in history of a new beginning for humankind. We're going to look at the events following the flood and the covenant that God makes with Noah. So number one, the covenant recipients. Look at verse 8 one more time in Genesis 9. Scripture says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. We need to first go back and remember the account of the flood. Genesis 6 tells us that it was because of the wickedness of humankind that God sent the flood. God decided to bring judgment on humankind and he caused the waters from below and from above to flood the earth. But God was not done with humanity. And the destiny, the story of humankind would not be determined by human sin, but rather by God's grace. And so God chose Noah and his family as the people who would be saved from the flood and repopulate the earth. God tells Noah that he's going to send rain of outsized proportions and he needs to build this huge boat, this ark, and bring himself, his family, and a ton of animals and food into it. Now, it took a lot of trust on Noah's part because when God told him to build this, this huge seaworthy vessel, there was no rain at all. And yet Noah obeys and the floods come and Noah and the, his family and the animals that are in the ark are preserved and all other life is lost. Now on the other side of the flood, after this traumatic event and the waters have subsided so that it's safe to come back out, just imagine the uncertainty. Imagine the questions. How do we even begin to build again? I mean, we... We've had a virus, and life as we knew it has been upended. But for the most part, everything has remained the same. Nations, corporations, the food supply chain. How many of you are extra thankful this past Thanksgiving? Let me see. Yes, right? We were so grateful. That turkey tasted so good this year. Like, so grateful. that For the most part, so much of life as we know it, it remains the same. Yes, there's been disruptions, but nothing of this magnitude. Imagine coming out of the ark almost a year later, and everything, everything is gone. Well, Noah is God's instrument to rebuild. But Noah needs assurance. He needs guidance from God, and so... God gives it to him. In Genesis 9, the first paragraph there, the first few verses that we did not read, God talks to Noah about Noah and his offspring, which is the entire human race. And he says to him, 
what he basically said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's in chapter 9, verse 1. He says it again in verse 7. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So Noah can have certainty that God intends once again to repopulate the earth. He also tells him that he will rule over the beasts of the earth and that he doesn't just now have green plants for food. Now steak's on the menu. So good. In verse 3, it says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. You know, my vegetarian and vegan friends perhaps have not read that verse. Now that you have to do that, it's a good verse. Genesis 9.3. God also places high protection in human life. In verse 6, he says, God made man in his own image. That's the reason that life is protected, human life. So in essence, what God says to Noah after the flood is multiply, have some burgers, and do not murder. Now, now that God has talked to Noah about Noah, he talks to Noah about God. What's God going to do to give Noah the assurance of faith that he needs so that Noah knows that he can trust God? And the answer is he's going to establish a covenant. God will establish a covenant. What is a covenant? It's important for us to talk about this because we do not use that term much at all in our culture. And yet it is fundamental that we understand what a covenant is if you're going to know at all, if you're going to understand your faith, your future, who God is, who Jesus Christ is, and why he came. So what is a covenant? A covenant could be defined as a solemn commitment of oneself to undertake an obligation. A solemn, it's a solemn commitment of oneself to undertake an obligation. It's a promise that is turned into an obligation voluntarily. So let me give you an example. You know, parents, you make promises to your children. Parents often make promises to their children, but maybe they forget that they made the promise or they're not able to deliver on the promise. But then your child comes to you and they hold you to it. And children, here's two of your favorite words to say to your parents. You promised, right? I mean, we have our children say that to us. Dad, you promised. So, but here's what's happened there. The parent made a promise and the child turned it into an obligation. That's not a covenant. In a covenant, I make the promise and I turn it into an obligation. So, we talk about the covenant of marriage, which is perhaps one of the only ways that we use the word covenant these days although many devalue it. But in the covenant of marriage, what's happening is that each spouse is pledging himself or herself to the other. When we take our, uh, when we undertake our marriage vows, what we are saying is, of my own volition, I obligate myself to you for the rest of my life. That's a covenant. A covenant is not a contract. We're very, very familiar with contracts. We have business contracts and so forth, but that's not what a covenant is. A covenant, rather a contract, is merely legally binding. A covenant is spiritually binding. A contract can be broken. A covenant is for life. In the marriage covenant, it can only be broken honorably by death. A, covenant, a contract is an, an exchange of one thing for another, right? We do this in business 
contracts all the time. You know, we exchange services for money and so forth. That's not a covenant. A covenant is a giving of oneself to another. And so God says in this passage three times in verses 9, 11, and 17, I establish my covenant. I establish my covenant. The covenant that I established, which means that this is something that God will not go back on. That's what it means. Noah, looking at the devastation before him, how does he know? How can he trust because God binds himself on oath to him. Now, who does he establish the covenant with? Look at verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. So the covenant is with Noah and his sons, his family, and their offspring after them, which includes the entire human race, including us. That's who the covenant is with. But it's also with every living creature, birds, livestock, beasts. A variation of every living creature or all flesh appears nine times in this passage. This passage clearly shows God's concern for all of his creation, God's concern for human beings, but also for all the animals that he has made. Now, children, listen to me. Do you have any pets? Okay, do you love your pets? Raise your hand if you love your pets. Okay, nice, yes. You know, it's, you can also raise if you're an adult, that's fine. Um, you know, we love our pets. We have Amos, our dog, and Honey the hamster. And we definitely love the dog far more than the hamster, you know. Yes. But, you know, but God loves your pet also. But he loves even more human life than animal life. Because only human life bears the image of God. And so this is who God makes the covenant with. Noah and his posterity, which is all of us and with all of creation. So now that we looked at who the covenant, covenant recipients are, we're going to do the first drawing. Children, do you have your numbers ready to go? I need you to be ready to go. And the first prize is Noah's Ark, so that you remember who God made this covenant with. Noah and the animals. Here we go. Number 21. Number 21. Do we have number 21 somewhere? Raise your hand. Oh, yes. Where's the child? Oh, there it is. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. John's baby. Yes, this is awesome. Okay. Let's get can, the baby's can you name. you share your baby's name? Peter. This is Peter. Peter. Let's give it up for Peter. Yes. <laughs> Noah. Uh, Peter has got Noah's Ark. Okay, so that's the covenant recipients. Let's move to number two. The covenant promise. Children, here. There's two more chances, okay? Don't lose heart. But also in our house, we always talk about how when someone else gets something, we're happy for them. We're so happy for them. That one is harder. But hey, that's why some people don't give. Okay, the covenant promise. Oh, okay, so what is the covenant promise made to Noah? Here it is. It's one verse. Verse 11. Do not miss it. Here's what it says. I establish my covenant with you that never again 
shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. The covenant promise is that God will never destroy life on the earth or the earth itself by a flood. That's the promise. And he says it twice. Never again will I destroy life on the earth, and never again will I destroy the earth by a flood. There's a sense of stability that God is giving to Noah following the flood. And it gives Noah this assurance, him and his descendants, that God can be counted on, that he's trustworthy, that he loves life and he protects life as an unqualified good. Did you know that the story of the flood appears in almost all ancient origin accounts from around the world? And in the stories of origins of the flood in many places, especially in the ancient Near Eastern, Eastern places, uh, the reason the flood came was because of overpopulation. So the gods, you know, brought the flood to control population. And there are stories even how after the flood, the gods created some women who could bear children and some women who could not bear children to control the population. So whether by nature or by the gods, the view of human life in these narratives is very low. You see, the biblical account is starkly different. In the Bible, the reason the flood came was not because there were too many people, but because there was evil within people. God brought the, blood, uh, the flood as a judgment on humankind. And yet, following the flood, God makes a covenant with us that never again is he going to destroy the earth by a flood. But not only that, if you have your Bibles open, look at Genesis 8, verse 22. Here's what God says following the flood. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This is beautiful. What God is saying is that we, that humans can expect constants, natural rhythms that do not change day after day, millennium after millennium. This is why in the best universities throughout Europe and America, Oxford and Cambridge, Harvard, um, Princeton and so forth, the best universities that were started by Christians, the fields of the natural sciences became true, developed as true fields of study because Christians have had the conviction that God has given us a set of constants, natural constants in physics and chemistry and biology and so forth that allow us to build life and know that we can expect the same conditions to prevail so that we're able to predict. I mean, children, think about this. God gave us things like gravity, like the law of gravity. Could you imagine if some days we woke up and we were lying on our beds and other th days we woke up and we were stuck to the ceiling and we couldn't predict which day was going to be which, right? You open your door to go out of the house and your car was gone, not because someone stole it, but because it just took off into the clouds. That kind of thing, why? Why should that not happen? This tells us why. Because God said it will remain constant. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter will never cease. It's an amazing thing. And so the covenant promise is that God will never destroy the earth or live on the earth by a flood and things will remain constant so that we can actually prosper as human beings. So now that we've looked at the covenant promise, 
children. Let's do the next drawing. And the next drawing is a gift of a globe of the earth so that you remember who, what the covenant promise is, that God will not destroy the earth by a flood. Here we go. Number 26. We know there's a number 26. Oh, right there. Yes. So good. Let's give it up. Let's give a hand. Yes. Woo. All right. Let's get her name. Can you share your name? Poppy. Poppy. Here you go, Poppy. What is it? Poppy. Poppy. All right. That's awesome. Very good. So that is the second gift. A globe. Because God will not destroy the earth ever again by a flood. Finally, the covenant sign. So we have the covenant recipients, the covenant promise, and now the covenant sign. Look at verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. You hear the repetition in the text because God wants us to be crystal clear that he is not going back on this. Because a covenant is solemn, it carries a sign that points back to the veracity, to the durability of the covenant. I've been wearing this ring for 21 years and six months every single day. I've never taken it off. It is a sign. It is a symbol. Yeah, my ring. Yeah, it is a sign, a symbol of the covenant that exists between my wife and me. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he gave him the sign of circumcision. When God made a covenant with Israel, he gave them the sign of the Sabbath. And when God makes the covenant with Noah, he gives him the sign of the bow, the rainbow in the clouds. And God says, when I see the bow, I will remember the covenant that's between me and you. Now, in Hebrew, the word remember does not entail the concept of forgetting, especially when it's applied to God. Rather, what it entails is acting upon a previously made commitment to a covenant partner. And so, when the bow is on the clouds, God's obligation to us to never again destroy life or the earth by a flood comes into the present. It's an amazing thing. God has bound himself to do us good. You know, oftentimes people say, oh God, please, please do good to me. He has already promised he's going to do good to us. He has bowed himself on oath to do good to us. Not because he's forgetful does he need a sign, but the rainbow brings into the present the covenant that God made with Noah millennia ago. It's an amazing thing. And so culturally, even though we define the rainbow as standing for something else, remember that 
our culture and every other will pass away. But the meaning that God assigns to things remains. Remember the meaning for which God has given us the rainbow. And even though the text says that when God sees the rainbow, he remembers this everlasting covenant, isn't it true that when we see a rainbow, we remember God's faithfulness to the covenant? And so let's do the last drawing, children. Now, what do you think this gift is going to be? Yeah, a rainbow. That's right. So here we go. Last one. Last drawing. Uh-oh, last year. Now, there are ring pops on the way out if you don't win anything, children, okay? You will not be crying on the way out. Okay, here we go. Number 18. Do we have number 18? Oh, is that true? No. Oh, man. Is that true? 18? Okay, right there. Nice. Let's give it up for number 18. Yeah. Let's get a name. Can you share your name? Allah. Did you get that? No. Anna. Anna? Mariana, is that your name? Okay, there you Mariana. Okay, very good. It's a rainbow. It's really cool. It like you turn it on and it has a ra- it puts a rainbow on your ceiling. Very fun. That's so we remember the sign of the rainbow. Someone from the nine o'clock service was like, hey, when are you gonna do drawings for the adults? Okay, so <laughs> Coming up, maybe. All right. But you guys, here's what I want to leave you with. Why did the flood come on the earth? Because of the wickedness of humankind. In Genesis 6 and verse 5, Scripture says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God brings judgment on the earth by means of the flood because of the wickedness of the human heart. But then after the flood, did we get a new beginning? Did we get a new start, a clean slate? No. In fact, if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 9, you see that Noah and his sons and their offspring after them perpetuated the sin of their fathers, their forefathers, culminating in the rebellion of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Things kept getting worse and worse. So why did God not bring another flood? Because of the covenant. Because God had made a covenant with Noah. Not because people changed and became better and became good. Far from it. Listen to what Genesis 8.21 tells us. This is what God says. You can read it with me. This is what God says after the flood, after Noah comes out of the ark and offers a sacrificial offering. Here's what God says. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, this is after the flood, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Do you see? Before the flood, Genesis 6, 5 tells us that the inclinations of the thoughts of humankind were only evil continually. And after the flood, Genesis 8, 21 tells us that the intentions of man's uh, thoughts were evil from their youth. Humankind did not change. Humankind did not change. What changed after the flood was God's disposition toward his creation. 
The evil in the human heart was the reason for God's judgment in the flood. And then the evil in the human heart was the reason for God's mercy after the flood. The evil remained. What changed was that God now decided to remain merciful to us. There was no new beginning for humanity after the flood. Humans continued to murder and to hate and to turn away from God. And so God entered into a number of covenants with us so that there could be a new beginning. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the new beginning is found in Jesus alone. The new beginning is found in Jesus alone. You can't change the environment enough or history enough or nature or culture enough to get a new world. It will not happen. People have tried. Political, military, philosophical leaders have all advanced their ideas on what would make for a new world, for a new race. What do you think Nazi Germany was doing? They were attempting to create a new race, a new world. The project is doomed. It's always doomed. Because sinful people can only create new sinful conditions. Did you hear that? This is very important for your own life. Sinful people can only create new sinful conditions. We're just rearranging furniture in a sinking ship, as they say. When the children clean out the closet, it only takes a couple of days for chaos to return. This is why so many moms and dads are going insane this year. Too much togetherness, too much insanity in the home. You see, what the human race has always needed is someone who is holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That's Hebrews 7, 26. And it refers to Jesus Christ. He is not a superman. He is both God and man. And he came from God to bring God's kingdom to earth. The new beginning is found in Jesus alone. Many people have been just, they can't wait for 2020 to be over. We want a new beginning. We want a clean slate, a fresh start. And we always get psyched up by some, something. We have a pep talk from someone, we listen to a coach, we read a book, whatever. We have this feeling, we're like, oh, I just have a feeling that the next one's going to be a good one. Based on what? <laughs> sinful people can only bring about new sinful conditions. You're just rearranging a mess. You see, the new beginning that we long for is spiritual, is internal. It's of the heart. And it can only take place when we look away from ourselves and we look to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is holy, unstained, innocent, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. It's when we look to Him, that's when the new beginning happens. He was flooded with the wrath of God on the cross so that we could be flooded with the love of God forever. That's why we worship him. That's why we celebrate Advent. Because he's the only one who is pure and holy and unstained and can bring a new beginning to you, to your life. Do not be faked out by anything else. And if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ today, I invite you to do that. 
There is another day of reckoning, of judgment coming from God. And the reason that God keeps putting off that day of reckoning is so that more and more people have an opportunity to find refuge in His Son. So do not squander that opportunity. You do not know that tomorrow is promised to you. Turn away from your sin. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look to yourself, all you're going to need, get is more and new, a new rearrangement of your own mess, of your old sin. And yet that's what our culture tells us to do. Look to yourself and be yourself. That's a recipe for disaster. But when you look away from yourself to the Son of God, He's the one who actually has the power to remove the remaining evil within the human heart. There's a day of reckoning coming. Christ alone is the answer. The new beginning you long for is now found in that man, in that woman, in that job, in that toy or gadget or thing. Amazon cannot deliver it to your footstep or your front step. The new beginning is found in Jesus alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We give you thanks for your word. We praise you for your word. We praise you, Father, because you have bound yourself on oath never again to destroy life or the earth by a flood. Thank you, dear God. You did not have to do this. This was completely out of your mercy. Father, we love you. We give you thanks for preserving us, even this year, with all the hardship that it's brought. And yet we're here. Father, we know that many people are not well. They are sick. Father, we pray that you heal them. We pray for mercy. Father, we also pray for salvation for those who are here or who are listening from home who do not know Jesus Christ in a saving way. Would you, Father, bring light to their hearts so that they know that only in Christ can we start with a clean slate. And we can start every day, every single day. As we approach the throne of grace, our lives are new. And our sin will be completely gone when we see you face to face. We will be unstained just as you, Lord Jesus, are. We love you. We trust you. I pray that this Advent, you would draw our attention to your beauty, to your wisdom, to your mystery, God to the power that you have to remake us in all of our fallenness and weakness and sin. Thank you. Thank you that you are not done with us, that you never send us away, but that you draw us nearer and nearer still. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.